I think we're really in line in, in terms of the value of, of the irreverent clown mm. yes. who's able to make fun of, them, of themselves. It's like laughter is the ultimate victory as far as I'm concerned. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Psilocybin Says. I'm Eric Osborne. And I'm Courtney Rose. And this one is the episode with The Mushroom Dad. What? It was such an honor. If you haven't seen The Mushroom Dad, check out the show notes. We'll have a link to the YouTube, or I'm sorry, the Instagram video that went viral. Over 25 million views. He accidentally ate some of his son's mushroom chocolates, and it is hilarious. And if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that we would never advise anyone to accidentally eat mushrooms that have psilocybin in them. But sometimes it happens. And thankfully, Stu, the mushroom dad, was somewhat of an experienced uh, mushroom eater. So he knew how to ride the waves. And in addition to that, a professional clown. Ah, which I think for- even, yeah. <laughs> He just slid right in. He just slid right in. Don't worry. If you didn't know a professional clown was still a thing, like outside of the circus, uh, it is. And it's a wonderful thing. And I so enjoyed this conversation with Stu. He's like a wealth of knowledge and joy and just it was really good vibes conversation. So I really hope that you all enjoy this one. And if you do, give it a thumbs up. That really helps us a whole lot. Helps people find our videos and uh, subscribe to our channel if you're not already subscribed. That's it. Let's get on to this episode because it is a good one. Yeah, enjoy. All right, Stu, welcome to Psilocybin Says. Thank you. Hey, Stu. (laughs) So good to have you here. Yay, I made it. Yay. (laughs) Showing up is a victory as far as I'm concerned. Yes, 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 yes. But I'm sure you have showed up in uh, some much more challenging interesting places than just this podcast oh yes i have <laughs> from the mountaintops of alberta in a snowy condition to the shores of zambezi lake in zimbabwe yes i've been making people laugh i think all over the world i uh, well professionally yeah. and personally yeah, professionally and incidentally you know, yes. which is how, how, of course, we came across you. And it, I, I know I, millions of people must have had their day lightened up by that video. I, when, I, when I saw it, I just laughed for so long. And oh. I, can't, I can't believe we're sitting there talking to you now. This is so crazy to think. I know. <laughs> I've, shown this, I've shown that uh, the infamous Mushroom Dad video to so many people now. And they've shared it with so many people. I so. think what you said last time we talked, you said it had like 12 million views or something. That's yeah, 25 million. 25, wow. million. 25 million. And, uh, you know, that has been the biggest joy for me is to uh, read comments from similar comments from viewers. Mm-hmm. Of a, wow, you made my day. And I, or I was feeling so down and you just lifted my spirits and you reminded me of my dad and I, how much I miss him. And it was like another chance to reconnect with my own dad in a memory way. And, oh, it's just been so gratifying 
um, you know, for me, the, one of the ironies was, you know, I was a professional clown for 33 years and I, you know, toured the world performing and making people laugh. And, and here I do this one just natural <laughs> little giggle fest and sort of impacted more people in a, in a way than I had my 35 years of, you know, clowning and, and performing. So it's always a, the ones we put the least amount of effort into that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I stop being. So, yes. And you're right. You know, I sort of work so hard to be. Yeah. To laugh for so many years and <laughs> marketing, schmarketing and schlepping myself around the world. And <laughs> it's one little natural thing that my oh, son. Accidental chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Some accidental wow. chocolate. That's right. So what, what, what about your relationship your experience with psilocybin magic mushrooms overall surely that wasn't your first encounter no uh no uh in my 20s um you know uh, growing up on the west coast um i that's when i first stumbled upon mushrooms with uh, uh another uh, friend who uh, we were taking a work i was a dance workshop together it was like for me uh, you know, a professional development workshop after graduating from theater, theater school. And um, she said, I, I, I'm going out to the Fraser Valley where we're going to pick mushrooms. And I thought, oh, I love mushrooms, you know, just omelets. And I didn't know. <laughs> we're going to go eat some and then get really silly. And so, and so we went out to this, the beautiful farmland um, east of uh, Vancouver, um, the Fraser Valley, and in October, you know, psilocybin it was gr is growing all in these, around these cow patties and farmers' fields. And so people would make the pilgrimage out to Fraser Valley and have a lovely day of walking around, and, and you'd spot psilocybin in fairy rings, they would call them, you know, the way they grew in circular rings. And um, I started eating some, and uh, so that was my, my first experience. And um, in my 20s, and then um, I, you just reminded me, I was on Hawaii camping with a friend, and this is many years ago up in Hilo, and at that time you could camp and set up a tent in these meadows overlooking the, uh, the sea, and they were, we'd open up our tent, little tent door, and there were mushrooms outside growing wild, that she recognized in our tent door. And I remember eating a few of those and just lying back and watching the clouds, which looked like palm trees kind of scud by on the, you know, overhead. So that was, that was when I was uh, in my, uh, I guess in my thirties. So that was like another encounter. And really, yeah, yeah. And then a few, uh, 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 random um, samplings over over the years, um, and um, until I did th this, um, you know, accidental munching with Benny, I, I, I hadn't uh, been back to mushrooms for gosh, twenty years, like mm. a long time. Okay, a long time. Wow. So. Yeah. Walk us through, if you could, because um, I've been wondering every time I've watched that video, which is a lot now, because uh, <laughs> it's so funny. It feels so good to laugh. Um, 
like how did that happen did you like you just came across the chocolate bar um like how yeah so it's a yeah uh, it's a it's a little embarrassing because i was foraging around in my son's fridge in which there's usually nothing to eat <laughs> being a classic sort of son <laughs> always expects his parents to come and fill his fridge and then cook for him and serve yeah. him. My, my, my son, the prince. Shout out, Benny. My, I, think, I, think you're, I think you're extra glad he wasn't on this recording with us today. <laughs> yeah. Getting the real dirty deets. Right, prince Ben. Um, I was... Uh, uh, so, see, both of our kids are living now in... Los Angeles and California, and we live up in the west coast of Canada. And so when we are driving down to Loretto to the Baja in the wintertime, um, we stop and, you know, visit with them. And now that we have a little grandson, our daughter has a baby boy, we, we, we stay with them and we do childcare help out. And, and so we move from his place um, to her place. To, and um, so uh, we were staying at Ben's and... Um, I was hungry and, you know, was sort of wanted a little snack or something. Um, or, and uh, I opened his fridge and there was, I thought they were artisanal chocolate bars, frankly, that he had on the side of his fridge. And, and you know, being in California where everything is artisanal and costs yeah. a fortune, <laughs> for one chocolate, it's like $10 or something. Somebody hand delivers you on a rich hand glove or something. Anyways, so... <laughs> I said, oh, he's got a chocolate bar in here. Oh, it looks like a really good chocolate bar because it was, it, it was uh, covered in gold foil. So I thought, oh, this is really special. I'll just take uh, one row, you know. Uh -huh. <clears throat> so I did that, and it was at um, – it was around um, 6 o'clock at night, actually, but just before, you know, dinner, right before dinner or something. Like, who knew when we were having dinner? And then about um, – I didn't tell anybody. I thought, okay, I'll just have a little tied me over till we make dinner together or whatever. And then about, uh, I guess, 40 minutes later or 45 minutes later, and um, uh, I, oh, there was also some sauce in his fridge called bitchin' sauce. Oh, yes, like I'm hummus. familiar. Yeah, yes, oh, yeah. it's kind of like a hummus type of sauce. Wow. And I also took some of that, you know, and one carrot that I found in his fridge and kind of dipped it in and ate it. And then about 45 minutes later, I start to feel this tingling in, on my lips. I thought, damn, I've been poisoned. Or I, I think I've got food poisoning from this old sauce that it's probably been in his fridge since he, you know, been touring for the last month or something. Yeah. Just speaking to us. And, and so I didn't, I just went to lie down. I thought, Oh man, this must. Have, this feels like food poisoning. So um, I, I called out to Sally and Benny, you know, from my bedroom. Sal, um, I think that sauce is off in Benny's fridge. And 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 Benny heard me as well from the other room, and he said, "Dad, it, it, did you have anything else in the fridge?" <laughs> I said, "Well." You, you, you had some time. chocolate. You had some chocolate bar in the fridge. Um, he said, "Dad, that's chocolate mushrooms in my fridge." I said, 
Oh, that explains it. I'm, I'm just starting to trip here. Oh, and 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 I also remember when I, you know, I was just going to kind of calm myself before I knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. I started to see these geometric shapes, you know, behind my eye eyelids and these pink kind of, you know, Aztecian kind of shapes sort of moving across my vision. I said, oh, okay, that explains uh, what's happening. And so then I got up because I was really like tripping in a way I hadn't tripped in a while visually. And he said, and so he said, uh, and so I, he said, how, how much did you take? And I said, well, I, I had a row. You're only supposed to have like one or two chocolates. <laughs> Not a whole fucking row. What you, I said, well, I, you know, I was hungry. I didn't Artisanal know. chocolate. It wasn't labeled. It wasn't labeled. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good thing like, it wasn't know, me. I would have eaten half the bar. I know. It's yeah. classic. And, 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 um, and, and actually, they were a little worried because I'm such a lightweight when it comes to, you know, smoking pot or, or, um, or psychedelics or, or anything. And, um, but, um, so they phoned my daughter, Emma, just to tell her. And, and Emma was great. She said, Benny, you should just enjoy this. You've got this precious time now with dad. You should just enjoy it and, and be with him. And, you know, you don't need to rush him off to a hospital or anything. And so, um, and so once I knew and that, that the sauce was okay, <laughs> it wasn't poisoned, I said, okay. Uh, and that's when I, I think, you know, the laughing started. Or I, I just felt this, you know, like uh, sort of making fun of myself for my over-exuberant appetite. And, um, and I just started to laugh. And then... Sally was at the table, and Benny was at the end of this table, and I was at the other end. And um, he just sort of started to talk to me and interview me, uh, kind of on like, well, well, how is it, or what's it like? And that's when I started saying, well, it's very funny. And started going to my favorite Scottish accent, <laughs> Monty Python or something. Oh, stop me middles. I can't, I can't stop laughing here. Oh, no. But I was... So that kind of went into that that uh, flow of uh, you know my uh, my reaction, and um, and you know what was kind of um, a reassuring at that early point was that he said to me, "Dad, you look so young right now mm. in your mm. laughing jag," mm. um, and I think that that. Um, a reminder, just sort of, um, I think it reassured me just in a way that this is a really healthy release, what's going on right now, and there's nothing to worry about. And, you know, in spite of all the, the doubting that I have on, you know, who I, <clears throat> you know, who I am or what I'm doing, or not trusting, right, myself, my own inner strength or groundedness, I, I am... Um, I knew it was just oh, going to, and it was uh, going to be a wonderful experience. 
and that, uh, you know, surrounded by people that I love and care about. And, um, and I, and it was great to be with my son. I don't get a chance to kind of hang out with him very much because he's so busy in his work and, you know, we're physically separated so far. I, I've always wanted just to, I love hanging out with my kids and laughing with them. They're both so funny. So this felt like a, like a precious uh, time that was, was, was happening. And I, I just thought, I, I can just let go and enjoy being a laughing fool right now. <laughs> so that's mm. what I'm going to do. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Did it ever get weird? Um, it, no, it didn't. It, it, um, the only, um, well, you know, um, I really wanted to have some of the Thai food that they ended up ordering and bringing in, but I couldn't eat anything. <laughs> the only frustrating yeah. part was that my, you know, my stomach and my, the, my, my solar plexus area was, was moving, was moving around a bit, was making itself known. So all I could really do was have tea. But I think as you saw in the video, every, in, in the video, every time I went to have some tea, it was like, no, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really have any tea right now. I remember it sort of keeping, no, no. Yeah. I just, I just couldn't do, my body was just, you know, doing little somersaults a bit. Wow. What a, so, what a treat to come I, out I, of a surprise mushroom trip and have a video yeah. <laughs> it'd be famous no. Yeah. no kidding like what a random act of it really like to, i just keep going back to that ultimate irony of you know having worked so hard to reach people in my career performing and, and all that it takes to mount a show and tour it and you know to set things up so i can make people laugh or entertain them. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I, I, um, my last show that I performed was called Clowning, uh, Fiddling with the Stories of My Life. And, and, and it, it's, it's a narrative of, of my, my life as a performing artist and, and, you know, clowning and traveling with my wife, us, you know, playing music together in the Greek islands over the years. Or, and it's like, there's so much effort in doing that professionally and mounting a show especially a solo show. It's so exhausting. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that here I was doing, having this wonderful experience and then he was recording it. I had no, of course, no concept. It would have the impact, but it's just to me so ironic that 25, I've made 25 million people laugh and, you know, my, my vision, you know, in, in my professional life was to unite the world in laughter, right? To, to um, you know, give people, like Emma Kelly has this wonderful quote. He, he says, you know, by, by laughing at me, the audience really are, realize they are laughing at themselves. Mm, and when they realize yes. this, it gives them a sort of a spiritual second wind ah. you know, for going back into the battle of life or reengaging in life. And so the, the comments reflect that to me and that, oh, man, you really lifted my day or you really gave me a vacation in some ways from aspects of my life that I'm struggling with or sad about or suffering in mm -hmm. or however. So it, you know, like I retired in many ways from clowning, even though I'm still doing 
you know, film acting or TV acting in Victoria and, and, you know, and still playing music with Sally. It's like Mexico has become our new Greece, you know, just sort of informally playing music in little venues and, and uh, entertaining people. But um, uh, so I think like I had been struggling with, look, what do I do now? Like, what's my life now? Or how do I make a difference for people? I, I think becomes a continuing existential struggle that we all have. And I think, you know, perhaps men more than women, perhaps not. But my sense was, well, what do I do now? Like, is it just, do I just go and have fun and enjoy life? Is that it? Or is there something else that's calling me? You know, there's something else that's calling me forward. Or, and, and I didn't know how to um, uh, define it anyways. Or in some ways, I, I felt a lot of frustration about giving it voice. Like, I knew there was something else still that I wanted to share, whether it's professionally or personally. And it's still around lightening people up or giving, giving them still that, you know, spiritual second wind. And I saw that I could still do it with music and animate people, you know, playing Celtic music or blue or blues or whatever, like that still lifted people's spirits. Um, but I missed clowning. I missed that aspect of my performance. I wasn't doing it any longer. Uh, and, and so I, in some ways there's a lingering sadness about having left that part of my career, which I did for so long and enjoyed so much. Mm -hmm. And um, so having had this experience with Benny recording it and, and then posting it, and at first I was nervous about him doing that. You know, I was afraid, oh, it's going to damage my career. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll never get into the States again and they'll stop me at the border. Aren't you that guy who was laughing? Come on, that was you, wasn't it? I'm sorry. Weekly can't let you. So, um, well, you know, when, we, when I said, oh, of course, post it, you know, what, there's nothing to lose here. It's not like I. So, um, uh, that, it, it, it's given me a, it's interesting, it's given me a sense of completion. Hmm. I, th this uh, action has, okay, I, I can rest again or I can relax again about I'm still making a difference, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it, even though like, you know, when you, when you did that um, podcast about imposters, I was just reviewing one of the, your old podcasts mm. about how we feel like we're all faking it or, or really, you know, <laughs> what, what are we really doing? I think that that whole thing about, you know, that struggle about, Oh, do I make a difference? You know, is it important what I'm doing now in the world mm -hmm. now that I've retired my work and all that, dramatic suffering, you know, that I end up getting into sometimes. This was a, a, a bit of a wake-up call that I realized I could, I could let my, give myself a break and let myself rest on this is what, I, this is what I've done now in, in this phase of my life. Mm. And it's made a huge difference, and I can just relax more about, you know, my impact on others. Mm. I think we should. Oh, I didn't even say anything yet. I've been talking all the time. Maybe. Oh, that was it's beautiful. All good. 
Oh, no, that was beautiful. I mean, yeah. and, and and that alone, just giving ourselves a break is such a powerful message. We are so hard on ourselves oh. from, from, you know, childhood all the way through. We have all these pressures and expectations of who we are supposed to be. And we'll, we will most likely never fully meet those expectations. So absolutely, absolutely. Like I know, you know, pinpointing after having done so much, you know, personal exploration of when I felt like I wasn't enough, you yeah. know, or I know I could never make my mom happy mm -hmm. really after she lost my dad when I was so young. I, you know, cause I took on, I've got to make her happy. I'm the baby. And I, you know, uh, it's my job. <laughs> so it's like growing up, you know, with that, knowing you, you'll never be it, you'll never be powerful enough or whatever enough to do that. So I agree. Like we all carry those types of unrealistic, cruel taskmaster expectations. Mm -hmm. And and I've I've definitely learned how you know have identified it and know when it's happening and can you know manage it and 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 pull myself away from that reactive, debilitating headspace uh and it's still there in a way and you know creates suffering but but not as long it doesn't have the grip on me that it that it used to have mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so um uh and and i'm i'm more aware of smaller ways that i make a difference for people now in life like i'm more aware of now it's enough to entertain and make my friends laugh or in small, you know, in small groups, or it's on a daily basis. I'm much more present, or much more conscious of when I lighten up somebody else's day, or I give mm -hmm. them a break, or I make them laugh. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I think I notice now much more of um, of myself throughout my day when I make a difference for people, comically, mm -hmm. and, and how valuable that is. <clears throat> Yeah, I can all imagine. Did you? I, there, there's a couple of things that I want to touch on, but go ahead. Yeah. I think you got something you want to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about what a beautiful example that that is for your son, uh, for Ben, and how I mean, being able to see his dad just let go. I mean, to just in the mushroom chocolate example, just being able to surrender to that moment and just just let go and and still be in the midst of family like so many people might have felt like i'm just gonna go in a room and close the door and like i don't want anybody to see me like i'm just gonna shut myself off because this is like a weird experience that i wasn't planning but you like you you were with you stayed right there you stayed with your family and like let go with them. Well, that was the That's big so sense beautiful. that I got from the video overall that your family loves each other so much. It was so obvious just oh. in, in, in the authentic laughter. And like Courtney's saying, yeah, I mean, how many people do I know that we know that if they accidentally ate a chocolate, they would have been mortified and hiding in a bedroom or not wanting to see their parents and, and just what a beautiful relationship that exhibits. Wow. Oh, that's, that is wonderful. Um, We've, uh, I think through Sally's, <clears throat> my wife's orientation, we've always, uh, always strived to be able to be 
um, more authentic and vulnerable with, with, with each other since a young age. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and I think, uh, uh, well, that's, I'm just a kind of very moved by that, 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 that was your, your sense. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was very clear. And that's, that was one of the main reasons that I wanted to talk with you because, you know, family is so important to Courtney and I, um, she, I grew up in a very unhealthy family. There was a lot of, um, unnecessary pressure and judgment. It was Catholic. Uh, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but the Catholic family, at least growing up where we did, a lot of guilt embedded in that. And Courtney's family has been very loving of each other, very open to us and our psychedelic ways. And it's been, it's been a major change for me that has actually required um, some significant adjustment in my level of comfort because I was, I was uncomfortable around such a loving family. And uh. now I can, I can almost like, have spidey senses on, you know, when families love each other and where they don't, because I've have up. Oh, are you, are you still hearing I'm me? Still yeah. Okay. I'm still here. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Our camera for some reason is giving a little trouble here. Um, but anyway, yeah, the uh, ability to sense a, a strong family unit is uh, yeah. I'm starting to find that and, and see that in you also, <clears throat> excuse me. But one of the things that I would love to just touch on that you brought up already is um, two, well, two things, two things, actually. First of all, you know, we've been so involved in the psychedelic world. We started the world's first psilocybin retreat in Jamaica years ago. Uh, I have been administering psilocybin for 20 plus years, have just very deeply immersed in this world. And the majority of I feel like the practitioners who are now coming into psychedelics because they're being they're more accepted publicly, it's seen for a therapeutic value, is there there is still this kind of perspective of you've got to do the hard work to heal. And what I saw in your video and what I just heard you say about clowning and helping people laugh at you so they can laugh at themselves is yeah. that's the that's the end game of the mushrooms for me in my experience yeah. is that you know you can you can sit through all the trauma and you can work through all the suffering and there is value in that there's a place for that not not to disregard it but ultimately like we get a choice whether we're going to enjoy this life or we're going to suffer through this life and it can be a difficult choice to make. It takes, a, you know, discipline and courage to be vulnerable, to laugh at ourselves and eventually laugh at, you know, this whole charade. Um, but within the psychedelic community, there's this kind of an overtone of serious now, seriousness now. And I fucking love that you brought the humor back out into it because, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, mushrooms are that they can be a hilarious ride and we've i feel like we've forgotten that in many ways as psychedelics become more mainstream and they're being strictly applied as therapy i don't know if that makes sense yes it's, it does in fact I'm, I'm i'm familiar with you know some therapeutic practitioners here mm -hmm. you know in canada that are right now on in a conference like you know the, of psychedelics and their therapeutic value he's a doctor and uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm aware of that, and the benefit of that whole movement that's using psychedelics to help people heal through tra trauma. Mm -hmm. um, 
And uh, like I, I think we're really in line in in terms of the value of of the irreverent clown mm. yes. who's able to make fun of them of themselves. It's like laughter is the ultimate victory, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> laughter yes. is the ultimate yes. response to all of that shit and failure and stuff that you that happens to you and uh and if you can um laugh about it it really is uh the ultimate i'm i'm not dead yet you yes, know or, or you, haven't, you haven't gotten me yet and uh and 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 you know in my kind of theater background it also reminds me of this wonderful play that i i once uh, uh studied or saw by brendan bean and Brendan Behan, an Irish playwright, called the Queer Fellow, like the Queer Fellow, and 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 it was it was set in a prison, and and, and at one point, the Queer Fellow is off to the gallows, is like it, you know is on death row, and the scene is he's walking down the uh, be, you know past all the other cells cells to go to his death, and they all start commenting on it like it's a horse race. And he's ahead by a minute, and there he goes, you know, ahead of the jailers, all but, but they're all picking up, and, the, and they do this ongoing commentary in this darkest moment of his life, and they make it into this comic horse race, because really, what else is there to do? You have no control over what's happening to you in your life, as Viktor Frankl said, you know, who, who, was, who survived Auschwitz, all you have control of is your reaction. All you have control of is your reaction to the circumstances. And, 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 and here they were, these other oppressed, imprisoned um, convicts who chose to celebrate the victory of humor in the darkest moment of one of their friends' lives. I, I just, it just always you know, stuck with me that memory of, of this play. And, Mm-hmm. And really, that art saves lives, or that art mm-hmm. can save lives, as my friend's mm-hmm. bumper sticker said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful that I stumbled upon clowning. I didn't intend to be a clown. You know, I was a theater actor, and I took clowning as a, you know, professional development. But, oh, that'll be fun. Actually, that is why I took it. I'm going to take that <laughs> workshop. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, and it was. <laughs> And so improvisational, you know, making up on the moment, kibitzing with people as the clown does, or to invite people to play. That's really what the clown does. Right? He invites people to play with him. And so I, I notice in my life, I'm always looking at, you know, who has a sense? Do you have a sense of humor? <laughs> Is there a connection there? And um, Victor Borga, I remember once said, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Mm. I love that quote. Laughter is the shortest distance wow. between good. two people. Like that's the most intimate. That's if interesting. You, if you can laugh with somebody else and that, that's where the humanity, you know, you recognize your own humanity and vulnerability and all this stuff that goes on, but you can still, aren't we ridiculous? I feel like I need a professional clown in my life. I didn't know that I did, but the more that you talk about clowning, <laughs> I just didn't even know that this was, really a profession which i feel ignorant about but uh until seeing uh you and hearing you talk about your profession i just i didn't know it was a thing 
that clowning was, um, I think, which now it makes more sense that you would hire someone to come and help bring out the play and the fun and in a circumstance, but. Yeah. And it's not a birthday clown, right? This is this. No, yeah. it's a stage clown or it's, right. a, it's, it, it's a clown you would go see perform in a theater or at a festival in a, you know, in a tent show. Uh, it, it's really, a, a, you know, the old European origin of, of who clowns were as performers in, in the, in the, in the circuses, they were the stop. They were the center. They did. They were just filling up space while rigging was going up behind them for the trapeze. They were characters who appear, who came forward to um, to do a a, a skit or, or a dramatic piece, like putting up a ladder to climb to the moon. You know, to get closer to the moon. I mean, these very tender, pathos-filled comic vignettes of us in all our heroic ridiculousness, <laughs> failing magnificently. <laughs> yeah. Failing magnificently. Like that's to me, this is the essence of, uh, you know, of clowning. Because you're up there and you fail. <laughs> yes. Do it again. Then you do it again. Yeah. This is an archetype that comes up yes. in oh, yeah. the group mushroom space uh, in, the, in the individual uh, solo mushroom space, but in a group uh, running the retreats in Jamaica. Uh, for so long, you know, we saw all kinds of things, but this, this clown, like it is so helpful for a group, for someone to embody that clown. Well, and it's taken me, I, I can't even, the, the, the connection you just made for me in that uh, quote that laughter is the shortest distance between two people. So in, in my work, very frequently, uh, I have had uh, mainly it's been people who have been trained or experienced in some kind of shamanic practice. My, my, my practice with mushrooms is very much a blend of this kind of shamanic therapeutic uh, space. But p many people have said that, you know, Eric, you are, this, you are the sacred clown, you know that, right? And I'm just, yeah, you know, I never conscientiously took on that, but knowing that that is very much a large part of the role I play and what, what is really touching me so deeply right now. I just want to share it because I know that there are people who listen who have been a part of our ceremonies and just, just because this is a valuable tool that I have found. You know, when I first started facilitating groups of 15, 20 people, and these are big spread out groups, often in the dark, <clears throat> excuse me. And I started when I would have people, you know, maybe 300 feet or however far away from me that, um, I, I wanted them to know that they were still safe. I developed this laugh that became a tool and I would consciously use this laugh and still do to let people know, even though they're at a distance from me, that I'm right there with them and then everything's okay. And so that creating that immediate space between that bridge between myself and the other to provide a level of security and, and comfort and safety just like that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I, um, you know, as you say that, I imagine you in, in that space and that you're really creating a lightness that is, like you said, comforting mm. and letting people know that everything is okay. And even though we're on this whatever serious gathering together 
um, there's a reassurance. I mean, you can just like dig into so much deeper material when there is that lightness, right? I mean, you can explore past traumas and challenging events with, with so much more ease if that humor is kind of there as a support. At least that's been, you know, it's been an evolving experience. It wasn't always this way. Eventually yeah. I learned to be able to laugh at myself and then to help hope to help other people do the same. And it's, you know, it sounds like you and I have very similar roles in ways, you know, yours is maybe a more formal, you know, yeah. formal clowning, which is, yeah. is, is beautiful. I, I would, I would love to hear you uh, kind of talk about the evolution of your personal profession as a clown. Like you started it because it was fun, but I'm sure at some point you started to see the value that it was bringing to people and you began to take it more seriously. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Taking clowning more seriously. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is serious. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about the serious part. Um, uh, um, it, well, <laughs> it reminds me of that old Woody Allen joke uh, about the woman who goes to see a doctor, a, a psychiatrist. She said, "Doctor, yeah, I gotta help my my um, my husband. He thinks he's a chicken, and you know, he's, he's clucking, and he's you know sits sits on his chair all day, and he died. I don't know what what to do." And the doctor and 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 the doctor says, "Ma'am, don't worry. I I can cure him, but we, you know within a week." She says, but we need the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I think that what I, what I discovered, first of all, the freedom in kibitzing with people in that workshop, that, that intensive that I did for you know, the training program, was just the freedom and basically coming out in front of people and being in the moment and responding to whatever, wherever they were at and in a, in a, in a way that was comical. Um, and, and that was, it was so much fun and so thrilling because I was scared. Like everybody was scared who, who were in, in training. Like, you know, you had to go out and you had to present a trick that you were going to do, and, and, then the, and then the trick failed. And then you had to go on this journey on stage or whatever to make the trick work in some ways that your audience would accept. Okay, great, yeah, you did it. And so it's perilous, right? Or it's scary because you're, fa you know, you're serious. Really, you're failing. You're up there and you're failing and you're like falling flat on your face. And then you're going on this journey to make, to, to, rescue yourself and um, make this failure into a success. No matter how ridiculous it is, your, your, your way of making your trick work, um, as long as you can do that, uh, that's, that you're a, you're, you do it, you're a success. And um, so, you know, my, um, you know, my character that came out of that workshop was an aviator. And his body is his airplane. So I put on this old leather helmet in, in the class, and all of a sudden I was this 
you know, kind of Snoopy-like cavalier saluting, you know, narcissistic pilot who was going to dazzle the audience with his flying skills and take them flying with him around the world. And they're just going to be so odd. They'll be silent with awe sometime when there was no reaction from the audience. (laughs) Okay, I can see you're silent with awe. I would make fun of the fact that nothing was going on. They just loved me. And so, so I was always making fun of this grand illusion that I was, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. And, and if they didn't get it, I'll just do it again. I'll just do my trick again and, and, and so that they'll get it. And so that, was, that discovery was very attractive because I was, you know, such a narcissistic um, kid growing up or young adult, you know, because I was the baby and I was just the center of attention in my, uh, you know, one of four brothers, etc. And so here I could make fun of my grand grandness, pomposity, and, um, and, that felt very powerful, very powerful. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that spontaneity of being able to keep it with people in the moment and make fun of myself right there in the moment was so freeing. And so I came out of the, that work sh- workshop thinking, I gotta do this, you know, when I'm not doing stage acting, I've gotta perform this my character. It's just so much fun. And hearing people laugh at that joke that you're sharing together, like, isn't he ridiculous? Yes. And he knows he's ridiculous. So that there's that level, meta level of understanding between the two of you. I know I'm being ridiculous and I know nothing. I'm not doing anything impressive. So my trick ended up, I'm flying so fast right now. It looks like I'm standing still. (laughs) and then i'd land on one wheel that was the big trick right well all i do is i just lift up one leg (laughs) ta-da you know and that was the trick and it was um you know it's just so uh gratifying to be able to do something so silly but have the audience get how look at we're all ridiculous and we're all trying to pretend that we all know something. Yes. And I'm really going to impress you with how much I know. So it was just great to be able to, to you know, make fun of myself for this, this, this um, obsessive way I have of, uh, you know, do you think I'm really handsome? You know, or <laughs> how good looking am I really? What do you think? So like, like, like a clown can just, it's so wonderful because I can make fun of all the things in my life that I'm obsessed with. Looking good, right? Like we all have this thing about looking good. So much of what we do is about not about about not looking bad and looking good. And uh, so you know, when I'm setting up today, I think, oh, how's my how's the lighting in here? Oh, that's better. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll just sort of move a bit. Oh, that. Oh, there we go. There. That's my best side right there. <laughs> so, you know, being able to make fun of all that stuff. Is so great, and I recognize that. And and uh, and to improv and to improvise, like like I love just being spontaneous. You know, just quipping. You know, using my wit to just 
I can't help it. It just sort of comes out. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that clowning gave me the freedom to do that. I, I mean, I love acting in plays and, you know, playing character roles, and that's really freeing too because you get to delve into so many aspects of who you are or aren't as an actor. But clowning is so precious because it's, it's so, you're so, when you're so present, when you're, it's a real state of grace, it seems to me. When you're that much in the moment and you're just up there on the stage being and whatever the audience gives you, you accept. Whether they're laughing or whether they're not laughing or whether they're, you just go with it. And in the going with it, it transforms. You transform the reaction into something positive. That's a very pow powerful um, state of being, I think. Very, very, very. I once saw Abner the Eccentric, who's a great clown from, jo from Georgia originally, do, do a martial arts presentation. And he was fighting with somebody, but he just went with their, went with their um, resistance. And he basically ended up leading them all around the room as they tried to push him away. And it's like, that's the essence of clowning. You go with whatever you get, and in, in the going with it, you end up transforming it. So it, stop, it stops being a resistance to you, and it ends up being your assistant or your, or your ally or something. You transform the negativity. Are you looking for a community that allows you to authentically express and explore what it means to be human? One that honors the divinity within you and all life? Then Sanctuary may be just the community you have been looking for. Sanctuary is a faith-based organization centered around the sacrament of sacred mushrooms for spiritual exploration and personal development. You are invited to become a member and commune with us. Join us for a Sunday Zoom service or a weekend sacred mushroom retreat in the beautiful Kentucky countryside. Visit P-S-A-N-C-T-U-A-R-Y dot org to become a member and find more information. This is amazing. No, he, you could actually talk I'm about like, your sitting. Yeah, I'm right now all I'm thinking is one, do you give workshops? I know, I'm thinking the same thing. What's the you, matter? <laughs> <laughs> when, if you don't yet, you need to. And yeah. also, can you give workshops for our mushroom church yeah, members can you because train, can you train trip sitters with me <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing no it's a, i mean everything that you're saying is exactly what i try to take into the trip space you have no idea what's coming at you you've got to do your best to turn it into something positive and yeah. you're only going to accomplish that by going with the flow of what it is yes it, uh, <clears throat> yeah it's it's a uh, it's a scary space to be in as the um, as the leader or as the guide, and yet, what else is there to do mm -hmm. except just be with people, just to be present with people, so that th that result happens or that 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 flow happens. Mm -hmm. That's um, yeah, I. I I remember that my ultimate goal really in clowning was just to get up on stage and not do anything, but just to, re just to react to the audience mm -hmm. and, and just, and, and because my best bits I would discover by accident in mm -hmm. the moment when I was on stage, like a scarf, you know, like sort of, I had this long flying scarf and one time the scarf just left my hand and got, you know, pulled by one little kid who was holding my scarf. I thought, where, 
where'd my scarf go? And the audience are dying laughing because, you know, they see me not knowing what the heck is going on here. And I'm like, well, where's my scarf? Oh, there it is. So I went and grabbed it again. And the same thing happened. I was like, I, I thought, oh, my God, this is a great comic bit as I'm doing it. Right. I discovered it by accident. And and um, and I went with it and ended up making it a very valuable aspect of, of the show. Like, you know, like what's going on? Everybody else knows what's going on except me. Sound like this is a theme for you, Stu. <laughs> 25 million people have just found yeah. enormous humor in your accidental stumbling upon mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Bits are accidental. I, I know. That's right. Stop trying. Just stop trying yeah. right That's now. Right. Stop trying. There's some real uh, pro-noia going on here for you, Stu. Yeah. The universe yeah. is conspiring in your favor. <laughs> yes, sure. that's right. Yes, yes, like the world is out to do me good. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I love that inverse yes. reverse paranoia or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what yeah. what did your kids think growing up with a dad as a professional clown? Like, was it did they embrace it? Were they annoyed by it? Like, I want to know. Yeah, more about well, that. I think at the early age uh, they loved it because I would. Um, in summer, in in a summary, I think at an early age they loved it. When they got to that, um, you know, junior high school age, they were a, a bit embarrassed, right? That, and I know they also felt very proud of me because, you know, we I took them took them with us traveling over all you know all over the world or whatever. We did a, a little Oregon tour in the van. <laughs> with my little sound system one year and we traveled all over Oregon doing this, you know, tour and beautiful theaters and places or we went to Fiji and, you know, I, you know, took them to resorts where I clowned. And so I think they were impressed with the resourcefulness of what I could generate or I paid for a week of skiing by doing clown shows on the mountain for all of them. And so they saw that, um, like this very um, uh, affluent lifestyle that I could create in little small sections because of using my skill. Um, and Sally and I did the same thing, you know, when we played music, like we took them to Greece. When Benny was one and a half, we took him back to Greece to one of the Greek islands and he was in his little buggy and we'd play music in the bar. He'd, he'd be asleep and then he'd wake up just as we'd finished the gig and he'd, you know, start to play. And then we took them both back, both our kids when they were 12 or, you know, 13 and, and uh, 11. And they basically served in this open air, you know, very comfortable um, uh, patio on one of the little Greek islands. And we were playing music. So, so I think they got that living this alternative lifestyle had a lot of riches uh, to mm -hmm. it. And then, um, so I think that they were very, I think um, they were both very proud of, 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 of me or sort of that I was, you know, um, li living this unconventional lifestyle. And we lived in a very conventional neighborhood, like Pleasantville in Victoria, right? It's very, it's very leafy treed, you know, character home, suburbia, um, 
you know, I always felt like a double agent in some way, you know, when I was taking school <laughs> as this parent. Because, you know, I wasn't really a sports dad. You know, I played violin when I was little, you know, and so, and so <laughs> and I had to coach them. <laughs> oh, wow. I had to coach Benny in soccer, you know, and he was in goalie, and I'm up from one of the dads on the sideline, side and they said, okay, there has to be a shootout now because it's an even score. There's a shootout. And I remember falling to my knees and thinking, oh, no, a shootout. And I looked up at the coach, and I said, what's a shootout? <laughs> the coach told this story when my son got the MVP award, right, if you do it, you know, well, I think that Ben succeeded in spite of his dad as this great soccer player. <laughs> so, so there's, an, there's a certain aspect of it that was a, a little bit of you know, embarrassing and recognizing that it was cool. It, it was cool that, that, our, you know, that our dad you know, was a clown um, and that it enabled us to have this very um, – free form and freed up uh, a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and, certainly and, shows now. I mean, Ben is sharing yeah, you yeah, on his I, social media so frequently now. It's so cool to see that. Yeah. And he gets, uh, yeah, there's people who are following him because of they're more, they're interested in what yeah. we're up to. And he's included That's... us, which is, which is great. And, and um, and he recently did a, um, you know, a, a personal growth, you know, workshop intensive, and he ended up, ended up writing us a letter to Sally and I, thanking us and acknowledging us for what we brought to him as parents and how he's really, you know, how they say, you know, your kids can stand on your shoulders in their life to go forward, and and I, I was, it was so moving. I, I he made me cry, um, and in and talking about the qualities that I have and, and the qualities that Sally have that he embraces, mm-hmm. you know, in his work, in his sharing of his journey as this, you know, golden boy, you know, athlete and, and, and scholar who, you know, had a, had a fall, uh, you know, emotionally and then recovered from that. And, um, uh, and both of my kids uh, have acknowledged have acknowledged that, like the qualities that have given them their resilience and and resourcefulness and humor and an ability to um, to really connect with people uh, in a very deep level. I'm, you know, I'm I'm just so moved, you know, by mm-hmm. by my kids on on who they are in life and how their ref- their friends, you know, respond to them as leaders. Um, mm-hmm. So, did that? Did I answer the question? Yeah, yeah I, I think guess I, I did. Yeah, did. yeah, you yeah. Definitely yeah, did. That's I, so wonderful. I mean, I'm just thinking. Gosh, I mean, we have four kids all together, and uh, two kids between Eric and I. And to imagine being at the stage in life, you know, that you're in now, and having our kids speak of us and share our lives to to people that are following them, their friends, their peers, and be proud of us. Like to, to envision that is like, oh, it almost brings me to tears thinking of that being a possibility for that us and our kids. That is what success yeah. looks like to me. Is yeah. Being proud of me. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, and we had to do a, I had to do a lot of letting go in those, um, <clears throat> in those teenage years mm-hmm. and in those, 
that was very challenging for me because it it uh, it put me up against my own you know relationship with with authority and being powerful and you know why aren't my kids listening to me and you know all of those areas where I just felt like um you know the the baby again like the baby you know the the teased youngest in the family where I didn't feel any any personal power and um, I. I, that was it's so confronting being a parent in the in the, those years of knowing you know what do i how do i how do i set boundaries and be effective and uh uh so being vulnerable is really one of the best tools i found uh mm-hmm. in responding to those the, those challenges and so i think that that is a constant thread that our kids recognize or saw in both Sally and, and I, you know, now that I think of it, that I, I just tried to step away from that reactive, protective, frightened little boy, Stu, as a dad and, and be, you know, more authentic of what was really going on and trust that they would get it. And I think I was also, I rescued myself by playing with them. I played with them a lot physically when I was young. Like, you know, made up super, 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 you know, I was like octopus man and the kids were super girl or super boy and they fought, you know, tried to wrestle my arms away and fight, you know, like play games. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think those were really, really, really important aspects of parenting. Mm-hmm. Being physical with your kids, physically affectionate, like that's a that's the kind of home that, that I grew up with. A lot of physical affection and joking, and mm. uh, and playing, and uh, I I felt like that was my that's where I, where I showed up the best as a parent in our mm. house. I may not know anything about sports coaching or other kind of as, aspects of it. I knew how to play. I knew how to play. I knew how to do little animated puppets with my fingers. <laughs> you know, drive them mad. Be driving my Westphalia, and they'd be doing their, you know, groaning at, you know, teenage disapproval thing. And I had these little finger puppets, like a little giraffe and a little zebra, that were stuck in the vents of the of our van. And I'd put one on and just sort of go back behind me. <laughs> and they couldn't help but laugh. It's kind of to break that, you know, yeah. attention or that. Judgmental thing that they're into. Gosh. So, I think play is a very, very powerful tool. It can get parents. so easy to get caught up in the, just the loop of life of, you know, stop that. Don't do that. You know, like the hard boundaries and forget that, you know, ironically, like play can break that, that rigid um and set us all free like the other night um i was just so frustrated with our one-year-old and my our five-year-old and i i just kept finding myself kind of reacting like you were saying and trying to be like the mom and finally i just threw my hands in the air and i just said that's it the only next thing i know to do is put on music and if this doesn't work we're all going to bed (laughs) and I put on music and I mean, it was the most fun that it went from the, like the hardest evening all week to the most fun evening 
we've had all wow. month, like just dancing and swinging each other around. Oh, yeah, so I can totally great. relate. That is so great. You know, because we just came from <clears throat> a month of grandparenting with my, our one and a half year old, my daughter's little boy. And I can, <laughs> I can, I can so relate to that. It's like, I'm, I just get so stuck in the frustration of, why aren't you doing what I say? I've already fed you eight times today. And yeah. said, What's the matter with you? I just fed you for God's sakes. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just fed you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that's my wife would do. She'd say, put on some music. Let's dance around the table. And all of a sudden, everybody changes. Yeah. He also just wants to play. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where my yeah. my daughter and and my son-in-law are such wonderful parents because they're always, even when they're feeding him, they're playing. They play with him. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're making him laugh at the you know. There's this oh, oh missed the spoon. <laughs> so it's up here. Or, yeah. Or, like those kinds of things are, ah, oh, they're real icebreakers and just save you. So. Totally. So between totally. you and your wife, who yeah. it, it sounds like you're saying that your your wife, um, remind me her name, Sally, 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 yeah, Sally. Uh, yeah. It, it occasionally or sometimes brings you back into play mode. Oh, but you seem yeah. so playful yourself. Is is I this know. something that you all keep in balance, or you just, you just caught me on a good morning? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm realizing I'm mentioning her. I am mentioning her because she is, she's such a great partner for me because she sees me in my worst uptight state mm -hmm. and, and make no mistake. I do have them and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and is able to, um, Where's the con? You know, Conrad. You know, where's the? You know, where's Conrad? You know, where's my? You know, did Conrad leave the building or something? Or did, yeah. like she? She reminds me. Uh, Is this the I'll, pilot? Is Conrad the pilot? Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. he's the pilot. Conrad, Conrad okay. Flash. Aviator. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She is. Uh, she just is able to, you know, from her perspective, see see when I'm just in my tight in prison up up uptight space and 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 call it mm -hmm. right and 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 but in, in but in in a way i think in a very uh, loving way i think in a way that doesn't shame me which i think is very important because yes. i think we all have a protective you know thing around being shamed or being made mm -hmm. wrong mm -hmm. which is one of my big <clears throat> things you know misidentifying feedback for being made wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think she has a really wonderful way of, you know, as, as, a, as a therapist, you know, for many years and coach and she's a very wonderful way, a soft way of, uh, of, of, of alerting me that I'm in that, in that state. So mm, I've got a lot to learn from Sally. Oh my God. Well, well you're pretty good. Here's, yeah. Pretty good. Well, has it always been that way with you two? I mean, I'm sure, like, has there been, what's the evolution of that been like? Um, 
has she gotten better and softer <laughs> with age? Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's a good question. I think she has. <clears throat> I think she has gotten better, and <clears throat> she was like that from the beginning. Mm. Like the qualities that I was attracted to her. Here she comes, back from the doctor. The qualities There's that I Sally. was attracted to her most. So I am talking wow. about. I'm talking about. Do you remind? Do you pull me back from the brink of uptightness? And how do you do that? <laughs> Divine <laughs> timing, Sally. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think she did that from the beginning. Like she had that quality because the, the quality that I was attracted to from the beginning was she was she seemed to me to be a powerful, attractive, and soft woman. Mm. Like she had all of those qualities and vulnerable. And I was really <laughs> attracted and moved by that. I fell in love with 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 her, you know, for for those qualities. Not that I wasn't firm, because I yeah. am. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. <laughs> I see you, Sally. <laughs> there we go. It's yeah. a balance. It is. It yeah. can be a tough balance. That's, yeah. That's what um, I'm working on. I can just hear a little bit. Yeah. So um Yeah, uh, he's he's an artist, right? So there's there's more of a uh, a bit more of a swing and uh, sometimes he goes off, uh, well, regularly into creative daydreaming land. And um, so I think his propensity for humor uh, can be pulled back in easily because, you know, that's kind of his, his practiced and natural state and when you have a combination of healthy practices and um you know uh an appreciation for a calmer or more joyful life um i think you know that's that's a good that's a good combo but without the practice you know we know that practice doesn't make perfect but we know that um, practice can make more permanent or, or more accessible uh, ways of of uh, managing because life can be crazy and the body doesn't know the difference between real or imagined stress and uh, we need to have practiced ways of, of doing it. And mm. I just read a thing about dancing with a, from a travel writer who said in these times of, you know, more travel and a desire to have more more fun, uh, just getting away and dancing is so great, like a really good party, no matter how old you yes. are, because we've been missing that these last few years in particular. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to have a, um, you know, a huge stressful life, but everything has um you know an impact on on how we uh feel mentally spiritually physically right so 
Absolutely. We were just talking about that. I have these on, by the way, because yeah. I want to look like a movie star, but I also had a little operation on my eye. So. Oh, I hope you're feeling better I soon. I, it was very, it was positive. So thank you. Yeah. Nice. You know, the irony is we were just talking about the reaction to a one-year-old baby, which they have, and how the frustration, and you ended up putting on music, and they had this great evening of dancing with their kids. Oh, great. Which is, yeah. Uh, that's so timely that. Yeah, which was informed. I did that because Eric and I went out dancing a couple of nights before that. And it, oh. it, I feel like it, it took off like a thousand pounds from our shoulders. Wow. And we danced for exactly. hours. And I thought, okay, dancing helped me a couple nights ago a lot. So maybe it's the way tonight with the kids. And it was. I'm curious so too. You and know, did, I, did you tell them, Stewie, that? When the kids were driving us crazy, I'd go and put on uh, the Bare Naked Ladies, yeah. our Canadian. Yeah. And, um, you know. Sally would do the same thing. This, this yeah. is me in grade nine, baby. This is me in grade nine. <laughs> and everyone's getting <laughs> a dance. And I said, okay, now sit down and eat your flipping dinner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's the firmness yeah. <laughs> coming on in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's if great. I, I, Oh, I'm much more of a space case than, yeah. Well, that's what I, wa yeah. I wanted to ask you, yeah. Stu, because yeah. you are an artist and I, you know, I'm an artist as well uh, in various mediums and um, have, have found myself, um, you know, in um, some, some pretty tumultuous emotional states over the years. I have struggled with some pretty severe depression uh, and also some very, you know, uh, powerful, periods of elation and I'm curious with you oh, do you find yourself swinging back and forth between these emotional states and how ha if so how have you uh, what kinds of practices have you developed to maintain more stability that's a great question that's and I'm going to let you okay. go okay. thank you thank you for Bye, joining us. Um, hope to, hope to uh, see you later another that's time great, that's a great yeah, very good question. Um, yeah, I find I'm I'm moody. I'm like really I I'm moody, but I'm more um, more balanced than in my earlier years uh, as a performing artist. And um, one thing that really helped me because because inevitably, you know, when you're at the center of all of this attention and admiration, and and then it's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. There's this um, inevitable letdown or this, you know, why doesn't, why doesn't the world love me like this all the time? And so, um, yeah, that's a syndrome. That's a common syndrome. I think for artists who, the, who, how do they come down from a show or how do they, what's the rest, the rest of your life is dull compared to what it's like to be on stage at, you know, the focus of attention. And um, how do you pivot or how do you transition and all of that stuff? And um, yeah, I, meditation really helped me a lot when I started to meditate. Mm -hmm. And we, and we um, um, Sally was meditating before me and then I joined her uh, in that practice. And that just really, um, 
that helped me touch down to a, a very quiet, buoyant state of being. When I'd come out of meditation, there would be a lightness and, a, and, a, and a, like a happiness that I, that I would feel, a calmness. And so um, when I found myself going to like a dark place after, you know, after, between performances or between work, um, I would, um, I would uh, make sure that I would, I would meditate regularly mm-hmm. to, um, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, it's interesting about, you know, what you believe around thinking and how that affects your mood. It, it's like the, the idea that this is, it's supposed to be like this all the time. You know, the world's supposed to love me this much all the time. <laughs> I'm depressed because it doesn't. And how dare they not love, you know, angry. How dare the world not love me like this all the time and recognize how great I am and what's the matter? And so, like, all of those thoughts which create frustration and annoyance and unhappiness are, they're just thoughts. It's not necessarily the truth. And that's a big one for me that I you know, discovered in my various therapeutic, you know, journeys. It's like there's, there, there's the world and the circumstances of your life and there, there, there's your reaction. And you can step back from this reaction that you find yourself going into. You can just witness it or see, oh, there I go again. I'm, I'm going, going to that dark spot place where I don't nothing makes any sense and then and I hate my life and I you know this and that and it's just they're just thoughts and they're not necessarily the truth mm-hmm. so when I mm-hmm. question the, that kind of that, that kind of you know thought process that's bumming me out that gives me some freedom mm-hmm. when you meditate do you meditate, uh, do you yeah. just sit in silence or is there like a guided meditation you like yeah I, uh, yeah I, we've just ended up you know with um doing a, like a tm meditation it is a tm meditation you know, where it's a specific um you know mantra that i'm saying quietly in in my you know in my head and then uh eventually what happens is um yeah i get to a very quiet i get below all the the the, the mind thinking and assessing and evaluating and mm. planning and, and I get below that and it's like get to a very quiet place where there's no none of that chatter is going on and that's the accessing to me to that the 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 the, the positive impact of that in your head and on your brain and uh, it's very restful and regenerative and and be and and there's a certain i'm finding a certain quiet buoyancy that comes as a result of that and and it just gives me a, a quiet happiness that that starts to sustain me um you know mm. uh more and more and so i i do that that kind of meditation um for 20 minutes and um and sally and i do it together when you know when we Create it. It's more powerful doing it with somebody else or, you know, with more than one person. And I just find it very calming. I also find like when you, in terms of an artist, you know, that I'm anxious. <laughs> or maybe, you know, just being the youngest and being worried that we didn't have enough money because my lost my dad when we were young. And 
So money was a thing, right? Mm. An anxiety thing. And so I noticed that I have a certain worrying status to the worrier and the worrying. And so that meditating really helps with all of that fearful thoughts in my head about, about worrying. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really made a, uh, yeah, it's really be, been a very helpful way of calming myself because I also see all the worrying as its illusion. Yes. Basically my, our, my tenant now or our tenant now is all is well. Are you no an Abraham? Pardon? <laughs> is are you an Abraham Licks Hick, Abraham Hicks listener? <laughs> no, because this sounds like so much of what Abraham Hicks teaches. Is it? Anyway, no, yeah, I, sorry. I, I I got that from an, uh, that kind of you know um what wisdom from another you know a therapeutic friend of mine you know who was in a a group of us who was actually one of the owners of one of our our places here in Loretto that we bought with years ago and and he said when he asked the leader of this workshop that he was taking. It was, you know, what's the basic, what's your basic, um, what's the bottom line here? Mm-hmm. He said, basically, the bottom line is, for me, all is well. No matter what shit is going on, or basically, all is well. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, yeah, all is well. Everything is okay. Or it's going to be okay. You know, it's, it, everything will be fine. It's. So it is. I mean, it is. everything is, is everything perfect is, as it is. It's, it's, it's perfect as it is, no matter right. how much I try to be more perfect or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more popular or more funny or more rich or whatever. Basically, it's right now. It's just fine. <laughs> this is great. Just <laughs> breathe. <laughs> just keep breathing. Just and keep breathing. Just keep breathing. And now everything, everything is fine. When you go stay at Ben's house and, you know, he's got his fridge stocked with the mushroom chocolate for you, I'm sure now you have that mantra yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> after you that's, eat a row or two. The mushrooms yeah. and everything is yeah. okay. Everything I mean, is it, okay. And that was it is I knew everything was okay when I, after I ate the mushroom, even yeah. though they were worried that I ate too much, mm-hmm, I knew, yeah. you know, I, I can take care of myself. I know how to take care of myself. I know how to. That's also, a, you know, a, a, I think a very positive way of a good of uh, bringing yourself back to your trusting, yes, trusting yes. your own, looking after yourself. I, I, I love so, the phrase that you used earlier on about a spiritual second wind, and mm-hmm. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your perspective on spirituality. Um, sure. Um, well, I grew up, you know, in a traditional, like, uh, it, it would be like a conservative, not an orthodox, um, you know, Jewish upbringing in that we, you know, we went to synagogue and, uh, uh, in a small town and, and um, it was a very, and so what, what, were, what became most important were the celebrations because it was always around eating really good food <laughs> and, you know, festive dinners and uh, uh, so it was... Uh, and family gathering and cousins and everyone coming together. And so, you know, my, my religious upbringing was really centered around family celebrations and reunions and, and, and food and, um, and, and singing. Singing was also, you know, became important. And, and um, 
and and with our kids, well, I, we were culturally Jewish, I think, in that uh, we introduced them to you know the major Hanukkah and Passover and the holidays. They had great stories about them, but we would clown them up as they were growing up and make make them more our own uh, of telling this, those stories, uh, you know, at that holiday time and adding music and and making up poems or songs and. Um, it was just a way of making it not so dull and liturgical. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and then um, I stayed uh, connected, I guess, to that sort of cultural faith by, you know, I created a show about the story of Esther as one of my, one of my theater shows with big giant puppets and, uh, you know, playing all the characters and almost like klezmer meets clown you know, telling the story of this gig I got doing this show. Uh, and um, I, I realized I really ended up doing that show for my mother, you know, after she, when she died. It was like, it was really a, um, an expression of being very proud of my cultural upbringing. But uh, um, in terms of today and now, my spiritualism has moved more to, to a... Um, uh, I would say almost like a, a Buddhist openness about acceptance and tolerance rather than it needing to be a certain way of doing things. Um, I, I, I don't really f follow that, oh, I have to do Passover every year now in order for me to continue to be worthwhile for my cultural upbringing or what's expected. And mm -hmm. I, I've... Um, uh, I've um, moved more towards this, more of a, yeah, of a spiritualism rather than a religious dogma-based uh, way of being in the world or belief system. I don't believe there's just one way or that we're the best or, you know, we're the, the, that idea or that anyone is got the answer or the truth. And I think because we... We make it all up. <laughs> <laughs> we make it up. Nobody knows what we're talking it's about. It's not true. <laughs> make up what works best for you, but don't hurt anybody. So that's kind of become more of my, you know, philosophy. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to dress in black in the middle of summer and wear long black stockings and a fur hat and be observant or you don't have to dress like you're in the 1700s in Poland. So, really, it's not necessary. Uh, that's kind of like the irreverent clown keeps coming, you know, servicing uh -huh. me when I come upon dogma or something that feels too rigid. I just react against what I see as rigidity. And so I veer towards a spiritualism that is more open and, and, um, uh, accepting hmm. uh, however you want to connect you know in, in the world what was it in Russo was it Russo who said who said you know nature is my church or hmm. you know that idea I, I'm more of a I'm more of a I connect to the divine <clears throat> when I'm outside <clears throat> on my bike cycling or being by the sea in Victoria or on a kayak or like to me I, I, I I think as I grow older, my spiritualism is more connected to the fantastic wonder, wonderment of, of the world, of the natural world. Or also when I was 
clowning, you know, that, that wonderful openness that kids have, their faces, just this, this pure, open, innocent, loving, like that moves me hmm. today more than sitting, you know, in, in a congregation and chant or, or chanting or something. I don't know. Hmm. I, 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 I'm much more um, um, a, a attentive, I think, to just, yeah, what moves me in life to be connected to love, you know, mm -hmm. divine love or love, like love is all there is. So, uh, you know, it'll sh however it shows up, that's great. That's, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll have some of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. That good to yeah, me. two for me. Yeah. Oh, you got some love <laughs> and chocolate? Okay, sure. Yeah, and, chocolate. and chocolate, yeah. Love and dark chocolate. Okay. Yes. <laughs> aren't, aren't they synonymous? Don't they, don't they go together? Yeah. Maybe some mushrooms too in there. Yeah. No, that it. speaks so much to what we really try to communicate in our community as well is that this is it's a personal connection and a personal understanding with whatever you call that thing that we can't describe that we're all just doing our best to try to find some kind of words that help us express how we feel about this mystery, this inexpressible, inexplicably beautiful mystery at every level. So, Oh man, this has been such a wonderful conversation. You've shared quite a few wonderful philosophies and things that I hope our listeners will be inspired by. I'm confident they'll be. Oh yeah. Well, even if they're not, I know that if, if we never communicate ever again, I know that this deeper understanding of, of the clown and the role that the clown plays and my own um, kind of natural taking on of that role in this space I, I I understand it on a deeper level now and can in, and will engage with it on a more conscious level in my daily life. And, you know, that's so much of what the mushroom experiences are about. It's, it's not this experience had in a vacuum of time, some, you know, somewhere, somehow. It's something that we can bring into our lives and make a part of every day. And that, that laughter is, oh God, it is the best medicine. It is the greatest therapy. And we can make the choice to find the lightness in every subject, you know? I mean, even, I, I, I don't know, it's been so incredible. There have been instances where there's one instance comes to my mind right now where we were in Jamaica. There was a massive hurricane going through the Bahamas, and we were sitting on the beach, getting going into a mushroom trip. And on the south of the island, I could see the storm front, you know, and knew that it was just crushing the Bahamas at that moment. But where we were standing, the clouds, the light playing off of the clouds, the ocean moving underneath was so was so beautiful, and it hit me so profoundly that in every moment in all through life in the moment of death and even we, we were arrested for mushrooms in 2015 someone reported us and and at that time i couldn't see the beauty in it but i can look back now 
and see that there was in it so much beauty in that experience, even in the the weird conversations and encounters that I had in, you know, in jail with people that I would have never experienced otherwise. And so just to be able to take that, that uh, impromptu, that playful perspective, that whatever's happening is like, this is food for my growth. This is food for my entertainment and joy. And that this perspective of pro that Courtney and I, try to remind each other of that life is always working out for me. It's all good, even when it's not. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, before well before we wrap up yeah we we didn't warn you we didn't warn you about this one we always (laughs) we always ask uh all our guests on our podcast what does psilocybin say to you psilocybin obviously what psilocybin says to me ah well i think it says to me uh Here's your best self. Mm. I think that's what it says. We're going to give you access to your, the celebrative, joyous, best of you. Mm. Yeah, Beautiful. That's, that's it. Beautiful. And you can carry that message every day in your life and share that with others. Uh, as yeah. you are, you know, you already have done so much. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I got, I got a high, high regard for you, Stu. I think you. Thank right. you guys. Um, yeah thank you for bringing your lightness into every day and to all the people you come across and for raising your kids how you have been um i don't know much about your daughter uh but or anything about her but seeing ben and his bucket list book and hearing him talk and share his vulnerability uh in the short amount of time i've been following him on social media because of you because someone shared that video with us of you (laughs) Uh, is really inspiring and you just have clearly had a huge role in in him being the way he is so oh thank thank you for doing doing all that you know just to quickly mention my daughter works for a meditation online app company which is perfect and she never used to be anything to do with meditation until she Hmm. started this work and it's wow work so i'm she's a she's a wonderful a wonderful force yeah. Uh, got Sounds involved with like Sesame it. Street. With oh, nice. Really? Meditation in Sesame Street. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have her information yeah. if you email uh, that to us. love to see her. God, this, this just to me, again, highlights just how important loving parents are. So it's so crucial, and you know we see we see so many broken homes. I come from one. I've had my own divorces and and challenges there, and it 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 really just kind of reemphasizes this conversation that Courtney and I continue to have about being our best selves, so that we can be an inspiration to our children and being continually loving to each other and playful with each other and not taking things so seriously and not getting, you know, bent out of shape and getting off on our own thought tangents of, you know, that we've made up in our head and just relax and enjoy this ride. We don't know how long it's going to last. The people that we're with, 
are beautiful and deserving of love and freedom and appreciation. And if you fucking embody that, man, you, your, your whole vibe, like that's my world is I, I live in a world of energy and, and seeing you on that video and the subsequent videos of, of you and your wife has, has, uh, it's been inspirational to me. So I know so many others. So thank oh, you so thank much. You. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And the yeah, beauty of it is that. you're just being like, just in being, you get to be inspirational. That's a fucking lesson yeah, as well. Um, absolutely. Anyway, I could go on, but yeah. I don't take too much of your time. You have been <laughs> so generous already. Okay, guys. Well, no, thank I look you, forward Stu. to seeing you in person. That would be incredible. Oh, hey. That That'd would be, be incredible. Yes, That'd please. Be incredible. Let's keep in touch. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll okay. stay in touch. And if okay. you're, you're traveling, we're traveling. I'm sure we yeah. can make that happen. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Okay. Much love, Stu.